we serve a father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James 1.17. Welcome to Sermonology. I'm Jack Barrow. We hope in a few daily minutes to challenge your thought life from a religious perspective. Our hope is that you can calibrate your daily walk with God and experience a miracle from within. Take a seat. Let's talk. First, um, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. There also may be women here that haven't had children, but you've been a mother to someone. Happy Mother's Day to you too. I, um, well, before I get into the sermon, two things I want to say. I want to openly um, say God bless the elders who have been speaking at the church over the last year. Um, you know, we've been praying over a pastor, and, and God is going to lead the man here that he wants us to have. But it was also noticeable, and I don't know if you notice, and the word we're going to talk about today um, in, is providence will be a word we use today, that there have been a lot of sermons that have been spoken, but there have been scriptures, there have been special music, there has been testimony that seems to, we've had so many services that seems to align with what they had to say. God has guided what has happened in our church services. And that's been amazing to me, you know, because we can get into what we expect in church. But when God is guiding things through a service, you can see that he is involved in what is being said is what he wants. So um, important. Today's sermon is, first of all, the title is incorrect. Um, that was originally given because it said the Godhead in you. It actually is the Holy Spirit in you. And that was because there was a change um, in experience that I've had over the last couple weeks. Um, I've been preparing a sermon on providence. And, um, and we're going to get into why you see the title that you do see. But I've had these conversations about the Holy Spirit that have troubled me. And there have been conversations with Adventists that have unique position on who the Holy Spirit is. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And there have been Christians, not Adventists, who came at me as hard as they could that the Holy Spirit himself was not God. That bothered me. So we're going to get into that a little bit. The Holy Spirit in our lives is more critical and crucial than anything you could possibly know. And so who he is, we're going to talk about. God's providence, we're going to talk about. So you may see the sermon seem to be broken up in two to three pieces, but that's the reason for it. Let's pray. Kind of merciful Father, Lord, wow, the sunshine. <laughs> it is so good to get up and come to church and um, the sun is out. Because even though we appreciate the rain and even though we appreciate um, the beauty of the snow, 
Somehow, Lord, sometimes when the sun is out, it feels like the sun is out. And so we ask, Lord, for you just to open our hearts and our minds today. Speak to us and let us hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of today's sermon is Pronoia, the Holy Spirit in you. And it'll make sense to you in a little bit. There's a, a story um, about a pastor and his gift. He had, um, he had what he called the gift of anger. This pastor had for years struggled with anger. He had a short, short fuse. But he was determined one day to release that anger and let Yeshua, let Jesus, the deliverer, the rescuer, our salvation work in him and to wash his anger and temper away and to transform him. He was determined to let that happen. Sometime later, this pastor was traveling for evangelism and was speaking in a tent meeting. And... When the pastor started preaching, a man started yelling from the back. He was insulting this pastor. He was challenging his thoughts and he was working as hard as he could to antagonize him. This man, who was once a man of anger, but the pastor didn't react in any way and this, this infuriated the man even more. But the pastor didn't react in any way. And, and at the end of the service, the man walked up to the pastor and said, you know, I've been shouting at you, yelling at you, screaming at you this entire time, and you didn't pay attention to me. How is that even possible? The pastor said, let me ask you a question. If you wanted to give someone a gift but they don't accept that gift. To whom does the gift belong? The man thought about it for a good while and he said, well, it would belong to me since I'm the giver. The pastor said, in my past, I was, I was paranoid about getting into negative situations just like this. Because I would have engaged you and challenged you with all my anger and with all my strength. But the Holy Spirit changed me. He taught me, interestingly enough, that if you don't accept gifts, gifts of pain, gifts of hurt, gifts of anger, it stays with the giver. And will hurt them more than it hurts me. Everyone knows what paranoia is. But that word has an antonym or an opposite. And that opposite is pronoia. Pronoia. Pronoia describes a, a state of mind that is the opposite of paranoia. Whereas a person suffering from paranoia feels that situations and persons or, or entities are conspiring against them. Uh, the modern but not original definition of pronoia says a, a person experienced pronoia believes that everything happening to them is for their benefit. Something or everything conspires to do them good. You can see where the modern man shifted this away from God. 
Noia, noia, the part of paranoia, the part of pronoia, is a, a loan word from the Greek um, where it means thought. So paranoia would mean fearful thought. Pronoia technically means forethought or before thought. It also means providential care or to make provision for a thing. So pronoia is a direct description of providence and more specifically providential care. Are you with me? Providence is divine care or the direction or the direction the will of God in our life. That's providence. Mainly providence means, and this is old news or should be old news to many of us here. It means that God is aware of what is happening in any given person's life. He is invested in how things go for us. By his spirit, he is able to steer us, move us, clarify, clarify things for us, and motivate us to make decisions on careers and marriage or any number of life things that we engage or ruminate in. So pronoia is the mental and emotional acceptance of God's divine care and direction in our lives. It is not, and let me make this clear for those of you that want to go home and look it up. It is not the worldly modification that the universe and people around us are conspiring to do good things for them to help them be happy. It is God. It is God who stands ready to provide direction and care. It is times like these that we put aside our paranoia and embrace the pronoia position in our lives. I understand paranoia if you're not accepting God's leading, if you have one foot in the church and one foot out, if you are lukewarming it. Psalm 37, 23 to 24 says, the Lord directs the steps of the what? The godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into the barns. You see, they're not preparing for their future or storing up food. Yet our Heavenly Father, or your Heavenly Father, feeds them. Even though the birds are are not putting in the effort to prepare for the future, God still feeds them in spite of what they don't do. Why would we be paranoid to think God's provision for us is tied to our own abilities? That is not an excuse to be lazy or complacent. Are, are you not much more valuable than they. God's not restricted to our work. If God cares for birds in spite of their lack of effort, how much would he care for you through your daily work? So pronoia is the mental and the emotional, the heartfelt acceptance of God's divine care and direction in our lives. So what about the spirit of God? What about the Holy Spirit? So, 
we find ourselves in trouble when we try to define and judge and measure our actions by the expectations of the Spirit. If you think you can, we will cover that shortly. Uh, or, as I was told recently that by this Christian that I met that I scribed at the beginning, he denied that the Holy Spirit was even a person. That he was just the express voice and an expression of God, but he wasn't God. See, but the Bible tells us differently. There is a relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The relationship between the Spirit, between the Spirit to Jesus is very similar to the relationship that Jesus has to the Father. The Bible says in John 1.1, what does it say? In the beginning was the, and the word was with, and the word was. So we get that in this passage that Jesus is called the word of God, the logos. And we talked about that in previous sermons. So that, that is a way to see the relationship to the Father who superintends the Godhead and the Son. Yeshua, Jesus, is the Son, the word of the Father. But Jesus speaking of another comforter would come says the spirit would not speak his own words but would bring into recollection and remembrance his words Yeshua Jesus Christ he, um, he would glorify him that he would bring all things into remembrance that Jesus has spoken Jesus says, the word I have spoken to you is spirit and life. The word of the Father is the Son, and the word of the Son is the Spirit. So ministry, pay attention. Each one is deferring to the other. The Father is pointing the spotlight on the Son. The Son is saying it about the Father. The Spirit is pointing the spotlight on the son and the son is then deferring back to the father. There is humility within the Godhead. Is the spirit a person? That was what I was challenged with. The spirit is not a person. Well, in John 14, Jesus attributes elements and activities to the spirit that only a person would do. He said he will guide, teach, instruct, and reveal. Those are personal qualities. Before this, this broken age of pronouns that we're in right now, he refers to him with the masculine pronoun, he. What was the pronoun? Third, Yeshua said he will send another comforter. Well, if so, he is God who was the first comforter. Who was the first one who stood beside the disciples? Jesus. He says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending another person to stand by you. See, only a person can replace a person. And in this case, only a God can replace God. Now, sometimes we mistakenly misunderstand 
personhood as being a body, your toes, your feet, your eyes, your, your hands, your arms. The Holy Spirit is a person, he's just not human. Jesus sitting at the well said, God is a spirit. You remember this? Jesus is sitting with the, the, the woman at the well, and, and, and if, 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 if so, if God is a spirit, isn't God a person? First Corinthians, um, Paul says, Jesus calls, Je- um, calls Jesus a quickening spirit. First Corinthians 15.45 says, so it was written. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. So the Holy Spirit possesses will, personality, intelligence, etc. Personhood is not necessarily related to physicality. Are amputees any less of a person? Personhood is tied to individuality, it's tied to will, it's tied to hopes, it's tied to dreams, not body parts. Ellen White gives us a cautionary uh, statement in Acts of the Apostles, page 51 and 52. She says, it is, not necess- it is not essential just what the Holy Spirit is. The nature of the Holy Spirit is a mystery. Men cannot explain it because the Lord has not revealed it to them. Men having fanciful views may bring together passages of scripture and put a human construction on them. See, ministry, we need to be careful that we aren't putting a human response on a divine intention. But the acceptance of these views will not strengthen the church. Regarding such mysteries, which are too deep for human understanding, silence is golden. And I would tell you sometimes, lack of action is golden too. Here is what you can know. And beyond that, don't make conjectures. Making theories or imagining what you think he is or who he is. We know he is a person. He is God. Talking about the spirit. But to try and to understand his anthology. Ministry, we should, we should only affirm what scripture says and not what it does not say. Understand context and, and, and not the perceived application. The spirit is a mystery. In fact, God himself is a mystery. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, and without controversy, great is the what? Of godliness. Can we know some things about God? Yes. Things that he has revealed. We need to rejoice in what we do know. Things told in scripture and, and, and the created order. It's God's nature that is unknown to us. See, his character is known to us. God is love. That means in all things, move in love. His love is also holy ground. Jesus came and revealed who God is. I heard it said this way. Pentecost is to the Holy Spirit what Bethlehem is to Jesus. 
biography starts in and around the major, so too with the spirit. The spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament, but it really, really, really begins at Pentecost. Old Testament, the spirit is mentioned 88 times. In the New Testament, which is a third, which is a third as long as the Old Testament, he is mentioned 262 times. That is three to four times as often as a book three times, um, three times smaller. The reason, Pentecost. It was when the Holy Spirit came into all of his fullness. See, the Jews believed the law of God when he was writing them in stone on that mountain was given at Pentecost. I'm leaning towards believing that. Because the Spirit's primary purpose at Pentecost was to write the, his law, the law of God, not in stone, but on the hearts of men. So the book of Acts, and we're going to look at the Acts a little bit. The book of Acts is important. Because Acts is the actions of the Spirit. See, Acts is to the Spirit what Matthew, Luke, and John are to Jesus. Acts 5 um, in Acts 5, it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled, so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept uh, for yourself some of the money you have received from the land? Didn't it belong to you, did it, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. So what does that tell you about the Spirit? It tells you, one, that the Spirit is God. And he did not just come beside them, but he comes inside of them. In Acts of the Apostles, page 671, it says the power of evil had been strengthening for centuries and the submission of men to this satanic captivity was amazing. Sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead who would come with no modified energy. But in the fullness of divine power, it is the spirit that makes effectual what has been wrought out by the world's redeemer. The third person means just that the third person I was told recently that there was even no trinity I really wish people would stop coming and telling me what there isn't I was separately told that there was an assumption of the Holy Spirit's expectations as gospel truth in other words, I was told somebody's expectation of what they needed from God is what the Holy Spirit wanted for them. We need to come to God. We need to come to God. Or I should say it this way. We need God to come into us to do what we cannot do to ourselves. But we do need to stop talking as if he's not a mystery. So what else about the Spirit in Acts 15, 27 to 28? And this is the church writing. The church says, Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good 
to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So the church recognizes the spirit, its power, and its personhood. Now go to Acts 16.6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of um, Phrygia and Galatia, having kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Other words, other versions say forbidden. Verse 7 says, after they had come by Mesia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So the Holy Spirit, this is what I took from this, the Holy Spirit forbids and he permits. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individual as he is. So the Holy Spirit contributes according to what he wills. Personhood is not tied to physicality. The Spirit possesses will. It's another activity only a person can do. This, in, in Luke 12, 12, it says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Remember when Star Wars came out? Yeah. And you see people running around saying, the force be with you. You know, as Christians, we should be running around saying, the Holy Spirit be with you. Doing things in and around you and against all odds. So the Holy Spirit is God. A person who thinks and wills. It is, it, is, it is important. It is important that we explain the Holy Spirit to our children and show them his role and the love that he echoes as God. Listen, we need to understand the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. No question. But watch this ministry in our children's lives as well. Listen to this. Desire of Ages, um, chapter 56, in blessing the children. Ellen White says, Jesus was ever a lover of children. He accepted their childish sympathies and their, and their open, unaffected love. The grateful praise from their pure lips was music to his ears and refreshing his spirit when, opposed, when, uh, when oppressed by contact with crafty and hypocritical men. In the children who were brought in contact with him, Jesus saw the men and women who should be heirs of his grace and subjects of his kingdom. When Jesus told the disciples not to forbid the children to come to him, he was speaking to his followers in all ages, to officers of the church, to ministers, to helpers, and to all Christians. As the Holy Spirit moves upon the hearts of as the Holy Spirit moves upon the hearts of children, as the Holy Spirit moves upon the what? The hearts of children cooperate with his work. Teach them that the Savior is calling them. That nothing can give him greater joy for them to give themselves to him in the bloom and freshness of their years. Do not stop your children from worshiping God. 
understand as best as we can and then train our children in this knowledge and his character so we've talked about the Holy Spirit and let's circle back to this word pronoia or providence in your life the pro means before and in the word providence video means to see or to see something in advance so providence means because of God's foresight and power he can direct things according to his will it's the manifestation of divine care we are surrounded daily by the evidence of God and as we discovered not just God with us but God in us the world would have you believe it is not God leading but it is chance because it is not infinitely wise too often we see that God has placed people in the right place at the right time how many testimonies have you heard how many memories can you recall of God putting people in the right place at the right time of God being just at just on time look at Esther what are the chances that a Hebrew slave is chosen to be the queen of Persia when there is a conspiracy to exterminate all the Jews in the world? In Esther 4.14 it says, if you re, um, and Mordecai is talking here, it says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family's father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this listen ministry please listen you are the right person in the right place in the right moment to change history right now you are in this place for a purpose you are where you are for one of two reasons God is trying to teach you something through an experience or he is trying to get you to help reach somebody else through an experience. Growth through an experience and, and many times it's both. Psalm 27, so Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are, are ordered by the who? And he will delight in his way. Working all things together for good is what we keep saying in this church. Do you believe it? There is a plan if you cooperate. He sends the sunshine to the unjust as well. Providence is happening to us and around us every day at every moment. There's providential provision. Matthew 17, 27 says, Jesus says, Jesus says, cast a hook and put in the first fish that bites. Open its mouth and you'll find a coin. Take it and give it to the taxman. It will be enough for both of us. And he was talking to his disciple. Providential provision. In Judges, Samson fights a Philistine army. 
And after the battle, he is, he's tired and he's thirsty and he collapses after the battle. And in Judges 15, 18 and 19, it says, you have, and, and this is Samson, you have given your servant this great victory. Are you going to abandon me to die of thirst and, and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God split open the rock basin of Lehi. Water gushed out and Samson drank. His spirit revived and he was alive again. God provides miraculously and providentially. If we move as the Holy Spirit directs us, God internally and externally utilizes us and provides for us. There's also providential timing. Elisha and Elijah both resurrected two boys. Both resurrected boys, sorry. In 2 Kings 8.1, now Elisha said to the um, Shunammite woman whose son he had restored to life, prepare and go, you and your household, and stay temporarily wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and moreover, it will come on, on the land and continue for seven years. Providential timing. There's also providential impression. You ever wonder why something comes to mind when it comes? When you feel impressed about a certain thing. In Acts 8, 29 through 30, it says, Then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? So he ends up giving this man a Bible study and then baptism. Providence. Now, it's Elijah's who's beamed up. But in verse 39, Philip is beamed horizontally. But God's providence impresses you. You, you, you all have them. Have you chosen to ignore the providence that's happening in your life? Providentially, it is a miracle that you made it to church today. There are providential opportunities. I don't know if you've noticed, but many of Jesus' most incredible teachings are the result of someone interrupting him. Have you been annoyed by interruptions? Does it drive you crazy when you're talking and somebody jumps in the middle and cuts you off? The pastor in the story earlier, providential opportunities came for him for, for ignoring or being silent when he was interrupted. And it led to a lesson for him and the man um, together. Jesus looked at these interruptions as an opportunity to teach. Have you taken disruptions in your life as an opportunity to teach? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit in you, guiding you in the way that you should go, the way that you should speak, and the way that you should act? What about providential placement? In Genesis 45, verses 5 and 8, in the NIV, it says, Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. 
For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are still five years in which um, there will either be plow- no, neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve you for preserve you a remnant in the earth and keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now look at Psalm 107:31. It says, "Let me give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonderful works, His wonderful acts." To the children of men. Joseph's life, providence. God sent him ahead with all the mess that happened to him and prepared the way for his family and those around him. I shake my head sometimes when I hear the word against all odds. But I wanted to share with you an old story. And you may have heard this story. But on August um, 9th, 1942, um, a Navy signalman, third class, um, named Ingle Staples, was aboard the USS Astoria off the coast of uh, Guadalcanal. When the ship he was attacked, when the, when the ship was attacked by Japanese cruisers, the attack provoked devastating explosions. Wounded and surrounded by water coming from every direction, Elgin grabbed, quickly grabbed his inflatable rubber life belt, his rubber life belt, and strapped it on. More than 200 crewmen died in the attack and sinking of the Astoria, but thanks to his life belt, Elgin survived. He was later rescued by the destroyer USS Bagley. Shortly after, Elgin closely examined the life belt that had saved him and was surprised to see that it had been manufactured in his hometown of Akron, Ohio. And it was manufactured by Firestone and Rubber Company. He also noticed an inspector number on the label. When Elgin returned home to Akron, he told his mom about the terrible night and she informed him that while he was overseas, she had taken a wartime job in Firestone plant. Stunned, Elgin quickly took out the life belt from his duffel bag and says, take a look at this, Mom. It was made right here in Akron at your plant. After reading the label, she looked at Elgin with tears in her eyes and said, son, I'm an inspector at Firestone. That is my inspector number. Without saying another word, mother and son fell into each other's arms. Have you noticed God's providence in your life? How many times have you noticed the right person in the right place? How often has God been just in time? Can you recall when you were the help to assist somebody? We forget too much. We forget too much. I challenge you to sit down tonight, tomorrow, and just recall God's providence in your life. In fact, I would challenge you to get yourself a diary and a pen and start writing down the providence that happens in your life and around you. I sat down and looked at my life when I was just going to the University of Nebraska and realized God was all the way through working things out for me left and right God is watching over us you are never alone and in case you didn't know it 
there is a plan Romans 8 27 and 28 says and the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them nothing happens by accident in God's kingdom ministry sometimes we need to adjust our prayer life and we need to ask God to read our heart and not just what's coming off of our lips we do not know sometimes what to say more often than not we don't know what to pray more often than not we want pronoia to happen in our lives we want God's providential care in our lives internally and externally our prayers need to be consistently asking God to make provision for us asking God to make provision for our church asking God to make provision for this city asking God to make provision for this nation asking God to make provision for this planet Moreover, more than ever the spirit who is a person is listening a fragmented messed up prayer and he who is in us intercedes because he is a person who is also God Jesus intercedes it's equal but different distinguishable but not divisible in Romans 8 15 through 16 says for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out Abba father daddy the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God let me say that part again the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God the way we know Christianity is true because the spirit who is himself God bears witness with our spirit you are a son or daughter of God only a person can do that the spirit is a person or he could not bear witness to our spirit only a person only a person says I feel your pain I I know what you're talking about I can relate I, I, I smell what you're cooking we are we're the same person I hear what you're saying there's a resonance and relationship in sameness no we're not God but we are people the Holy Spirit is a person let God make provision for you to do right in his own loving manner 
suffer nothing good to happen in your life. Worship, actions, interactions in this time we live. Suffer nothing good to come from your children because the Spirit is not just in you, it's in them too. Providence is not chance and God is not reckless. Pronoia, provisional care, to make provision for a thing. God has made provision for you. There's a poem, and I'm going to wrap it up with this poem, by William Cowper. It says, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God in his own interpreter. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Bow our heads. Kind of merciful Father, Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, we recognize the Holy Spirit is God. He is a person. He was sent after your son. There's so much happening in our lives, Lord, that we don't recognize. We take for granted. We don't perceive how much you are in control. But Lord, we ask that you would just continue to move in us. That you would continue to direct us and change us, cleanse us. Let providence, Lord, not just be what happens to us, but let providence be what you use us for. That we can be careful to give you the glory and the honor that at the end of 2023, we can give testimony in this church to a standing house of what God has done in our lives. We love you, Lord, more than we love ourselves. Take control. We turn ourselves over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.